Hi, welcome to the Pen Garden, your weekly writing productivity podcast which will help you build a Zen writing routine tailored to your lifestyle. I'm your host Lainey and you're listening to episode 1 of our third season, Inspiration. I released this podcast last month and many of you have listened and shared with your friends. Thank you for giving the Pen Garden a good start and thank you to those who have left reviews. I hope this season, jam-packed with interesting tidbits about how to understand and foster inspiration, will be useful to you. I can't wait to hear about your new and improved writing routines. Grab a drink if you can and relax. This time is for you. Today's episode focuses on the theory and science of inspiration. What it was perceived to be, what it is viewed as now, and how can you fit this knowledge in your writing practice to empower your creativity? But before I get into that, I want to say that this week is special because United States celebrates National Friends of Library Week. For people in the UK, that was two weeks ago. For everyone else, I'm sure you have one in your countries too. It's a great way to celebrate one of the greatest social inventions as far as I'm concerned. Libraries are allowing people to access books, and that's amazing. Go and show your local library some love. If there are any librarians listening, thank you for your work, you're amazing. Now, let's talk about creative inspiration. Inspiration has long been something mysterious to people, including the creative people themselves. Back in the olden days, when the divine was interwoven in many aspects of everyday life, for lack of other understanding, how creation took place in the mind of the artist was seen as divine intervention. An interesting work where this train of thought is recorded is in Plato's Ion, a poetic dialogue from ancient Greece where Plato and Socrates discuss how the poet does not have art but merely inspiration. This is an important distinction because it's argued the muse, or god, is the one who gives power to the poet, who then inspires the actor who will perform. So the creativity does not come from within, but from above, and then moves down, and the creative person is believed to be merely a vessel of some divine will. This idea, I think, is easy to understand. If you try to think when you were inspired last, maybe you would say something inspired you, that something triggered another idea in your head, and now you have this thing that didn't exist, that wasn't there before. Creative people are not great at explaining exactly what happens when inspiration strikes, and many describe it as elusive. This is exactly why it has been linked for so long with supernatural intentions. But that's not good enough for the state of present-day artists. We love owning our work and it takes a lot of hard work to create and get it out of us. So there's no way we can let some deity take the credit for our efforts. A study examined how creative professionals feel about inspiration and found the inspirational triad. A threefold structure consisting of altered awareness, energy and enabling conditions. What these three things are, briefly, are what creative professionals feel they have to have in place for inspiration to strike. 
Altered awareness is when there is a change to consciousness associated with creativity specifically. For example, shifts in attention, sudden insights into an otherwise ordinary experience, or even letting the mind wander free, unconstrained to explore new notions. This is the light bulb moment of creation. Then inspiration is perceived to have energy, or I would call it strength of impact. This is the speed and intensity with which creatives go through feelings and charged emotions that go with their new ideas. The heightened motivation to create, the increase in creative stamina and activity. This is the buzz of creation. Finally, for all of this to take place properly, there have to be enabling conditions. These could be, for example, social factors, like surrounding yourself with people who are an inspirational influence, or environments which allow the mind to wander freely without judgment. This is the actual moment of creation, when all comes together and pours out of you because there's nothing to stop it. Before I continue with why inspiration matters for writing and why knowing all of this is beneficial, I want to name drop myself and say that I've said countless times I'm a writer, but I haven't so far shared what I've been working on. So, surprise, it's a book. I'm working on a romantic thriller and very soon it will be available for pre-order. It's fiction and it's dark and atmospheric like Lee Bardugo's Ninth House, without the magic though, but packed with action like Alex Callister's Winter Dark. That's it for now about my book. I will let you know when it's available to pre-order. In the meantime, share with me what you're working on. I would love to support you and I always geek out when it comes to writing. Many writers value their moments of inspiration, but many, including myself, believe that inspiration is only a tiny part of the overall creative process. Thomas Edison, when talking about his work, said that what it boils down to is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. You've probably heard this one before, but I want to repeat it because I do have another point to make. After doing the research for this episode and thinking back about my own experience, effort only does not produce great work. The creative spark, which we call inspiration, is as vital as the work after. Researchers say, effort is important to the creative process, but its role is different than that of inspiration. Whereas writers' inspiration predicts the creativity of the final product, writers' efforts predict the technical merit of the product. Thus, inspiration and effort are unique predictors of different aspects of product quality. If that doesn't make a lot of sense, Listen to this. Screen capture data indicates that inspiration is involved in the automatic or generative aspects of the writing process. So inspired writers produce more words and retain more of their original typing after they go back. Whereas effort is related to controlled self-regulation. So writers who exert more effort tend to delete more words and pause more to think as they write. To sum up, if you're writing when you're inspired, the writing that you do will be different than the writing you do when you're simply trying to write. 
Now that we know inspiration is important, I want to leave you with a simple three-step action plan on how to ensure it doesn't escape you. Inspiration can't be forced, but it can be fostered. So, first step is to keep your mind open, to exercise your imagination. One thing I really like to do when I'm somewhere waiting, for example, in a queue or somewhere similar, I like to imagine myself or the building from above or from inside. I imagine what the person in front of me might be thinking about. Anything could be inspiring if you open to see it. Second step is to make sure you have the time and place to capture your inspiration and work on it. You shouldn't let that buzz fizzle away into oblivion. So in the first instance, make sure you have a notebook with you or reach often for the notes app on your phone. If nothing else is to hand, tell a friend or your parents or your children. Two people remember things better than one. Finally, the third step is to surround yourself with things that can inspire you. This means other writers, groups, places, items, media, anything that exercises your mind in a positive way. This step is well captured by the words of Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison. She said, Your life is already artful, waiting, just waiting for you to make it art. So all we need to do is open up ourselves to the experience of finding the art that awaits all around us. I want to leave you with some further reading and listening, which will maybe help you be more inspired more regularly. For me, being able to foster inspiration is very important for my mental health because when I'm inspired, my focus shifts to creating. I'm buzzing with positive energy and tend to forget about the other problems of my daily existence for a bit. It's a great feeling and of course if I can help more writers feel better for longer, I will do my best. There is a great article about all that I talked about, together with more examples, on the Harvard Business Review website called Why Inspiration Matters. If you Google it, it will pop up, but the link is also on my website attached to the show notes for this episode. For next week, I've picked a topic which all writers dread to think about. Procrastination. It's the enemy of productivity and inspiration and can leave pretty much anyone feeling they can't write. But it's not all doom and gloom. I will teach you how to trick your brain into doing things that fuel your creativity while still indulging in that need to procrastinate for a bit. Join me in the Pen Garden next Tuesday, 27th of October. The show notes for this episode are available on my website lanydelarog.com slash pengarden. That's lanydelarog, my name, dot com, all one word, slash pengarden as one word. I have cited all of my sources there so you can go on and continue your own research on the topic. If you like this episode and happen to be listening on a platform that allows leaving reviews, please leave a review. It helps creators who are starting out, such as myself, let more people know the podcast is enjoyable. Alternatively, come chat with me on the Pen Garden Facebook page or tweet me at Lainey Delarock. If you want to be up to date on Pet Garden news, subscribe to the show and sign up to my newsletter. I promise no spam, only cups of writing joy. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Hope you have an awesome week and speak to you soon.